0: The protests are not just about the stuff, but the protests about systemic racism within policing. It definitely is not only a French problem.
1: Hello and welcome to Reactive's Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evi and this week we're looking at police violence, the clashes in France, and why Reporters Without Borders wants journalists to train before covering protests like the one in France. France has been burning for the past week. Clashes between the protesters that took the streets after a 17-year-old teenager named Nael Marzouk was shot by the police after he was pulled over for breaking traffic rules have become a daily phenomenon. French President Emmanuel Macron called the death of the teenager inexplicable and inexcusable. But the rage continues and protesters are asking for justice. But they're not only protesting and asking justice for Nael. The reason behind the protests is a complex one, rooted in the country's history and connected to racism. But why is this wave of violence engulfing France?
0: The death of Nahel is not just one death. This is um, um, systematic. It is endemic of um, French policing. Um, In fact, in 2021, human rights organizations in France, um, which included Amnesty, Open Society and Human Rights Watch fired a class action case against the French police, accusing them of systemic discrimination against people of Black and African descent.
1: Emmanuel Lachiri is policy and advocacy advisor at the European Network Against Racism.
0: We know in 2016 as well, a French um, high court had held that um, three um, Black people were stopped, um, um, that this was based on, 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 on racial profiling.
1: Racial profiling is considered to be a widespread form of discrimination that violates human rights. It refers to the use of violence by police, law enforcement, or border guards based on race, ethnicity, religion, or national origin, rather than individual behavior or objective evidence.
0: We know Black and North African people are 20 times more likely to be stopped by the police than white people in France. So it is really important that we understand the racial component of this murder and that um, racism is a structural reason why this happens. And I think a lot of the frustration in France which is leading to the protests is because people feel that 18 years on from the protests in 2005, not much has changed despite talks of reforms by um, successive French um, um, politicians, there is still widespread systemic racism within French policing. And how will things change when police officials and unions refuse to admit the systemic racial profiling in their policing? And all you need to do is read statements by French police unions following the, um, the death of Nahel, referring to protesters as vermin, as savage hordes that need to be put down, and we also need to bear in mind and recognize the brutality of um, the, the French policing, which often is denied by disunions and by some far-right politicians. This is not just about racist police violence, but it is also about a problem of racism in in, in French society in general and the exclusion of racialized people um, who live in the banlieues and who feel that they have not been given fair access to education, to jobs, to social mobility and to better living conditions. So the death of Nahel is um, in many ways is um, the last straw on the camel's back. And so the protests are not just about this death but the protests about systemic racism but also um, systemic racism racism within policing, but also systemic racism within French society, which so far has not been recognised.
1: Now, there is an ongoing debate around the 2017 law that expanded the circumstances under which traffic police can use lethal force against fleeing motorists. Police unions supported this change, but concerns were raised about the interpretation of the rules, leading to confusion. The Left-Wing Noobs Alliance demands a repeal of this law, arguing that it has been seen as a license to kill by some police officers. Although the data on police shootings is limited, it suggests an increase in fatal shootings of drivers since the law's implementation. Police unions advocate for the law's necessity but propose additional firearms training instead.
0: We call for a rethinking, a reimagination of how policing should be done. Because if we rethink policing from a bottoms up approach, which actually serves community needs, rather than trying just to suppress violence, Many attempts at the reformation of of policing in France, but also in other European countries and globally, has not led to anything different because the issues are structural. The issues are actually fundamental to how we understand policing should be, which in in many ways is about suppressing violence, it's about fighting crime.
1: Police brutality and violence have become pressing issues not only in France, but also across various European countries. A 2021 research report by the European Network Against Racism highlighted instances of police violence in countries such as Belgium, Sweden, Bulgaria, Croatia, Greece and others.
0: We do um, a comparative analysis of policing in different European countries as well. And we see this the systematic racial profiling. We see the systematic targeting of racialized um, communities, Roma, Sinti, Blacks, um, people from the Middle East, uh, Muslims. So it is actually a problem which is endemic in, in, in policing in, in, in Europe. But as well, globally, as well, we've seen Um, what has been happening in the United States. We see what happens in many um, countries in Africa as well. So that's why we really need to rethink how policing is done because globally policing is seen almost as just a suppression of crime. And and in many ways, it is an extension of, of state violence.
1: Additionally, the situation has sparked clashes between protesters and far-right supporters, with migration being blamed by some for the current unrest.
0: This is not surprising. Immigrants are blamed for everything, including the economic recession. Whenever there is a problem in Europe, in any way, it's always a fault of migrants. You know, People say this is what happens when you open your borders. But I think it's, it's very important that we put this into context, especially the, what is happening in France, because the vast majority of those who are protesting in France today are French citizens and were born as French citizens. These are oftentimes the children of immigrants which the French government brought into France in the 60s, 70s and 80s to work in the coal mines, to work in industry and to rebuild France. But these immigrants were never properly included into French society. Rather, they were isolated in the banlieues. And today, their children and their grandchildren still feel the disaffection that their parents and grandparents felt. They, They feel abandoned. They feel left behind by the French government. They feel that the French government has not done anything for those of them who live in the, in, in the suburbs to bring them out of poverty, to give them access to education, to give them access to social mobility, to give them access to, to jobs, to give them access to better living conditions. And rather than invest in social infrastructures, um, the people who are protesting today, or at least the vast majority of people who are protesting today, actually feel that the French state has rather invested in policing the banlieue which has led to a lot of insecurity because many of the potatoes don't feel um, safe in the banlieues we at ena for example we we say the issue is more systematic and and this is a failure of inclusion and not integration we we really move away from the rhetoric of integration because integration means bringing someone or a group of people into a system that already exists basically Integration is about assimilation, but inclusion is about creating an environment that values and respects all persons, regardless of their their differences.
1: At the same time, two fundraising campaigns were set up, one to support the teen's mother and the other one for the family of the police officer who shot him. By the time this podcast was recorded, the fundraiser for the police officer had raised a final total of more than 1.6 million euros while the one for Nile's family had topped €400,000. More than 85,000 people had donated to support the police officer, while just over 21,000 had donated to support Niall's family. And these numbers are constantly changing.
0: It is really a shock to, I think, to, um, to me as a person, but I think that it should be a shock to the collective ecosystem. And also mind you that this fund was created by Jean Messia, who is a far-right politician, who has very close ties to Marie Le Pen and to Eric Zemmour. French
1: lawmakers have criticized the fundraisers and questioned the motives of the organizers. Everyone can express their feelings and contribute to a fund, but I think in this case, that it doesn't go in the direction of appeasement, Justice Minister Eric DuPont Moretti said in an interview. Despite the criticism, Host's website GoFundMe refused to remove the campaign, supporting that it fulfills supporting that it fulfills all the requirements and follows the website's policy.
0: I want to believe maybe idealistically, maybe um, um, from my sense of utopic, which of course is also a reason why I am an advocate today, that this does not represent the majority of French society. But, um, I mean, the the evidence that we have so far is is very concerning. And I think it speaks to the huge divide within French society.
1: As we navigate this multifaceted situation, we must consider how it can be approached from both social and institutional perspectives. Was there a better way to address the issue at hand?
0: The first thing that needs to be done is that policymakers need to listen to the protesters and, and the communities. The French government needs to take immediate action to address these concerns or the concerns that have been raised by many civil society organizations, by human rights groups, regarding the impunity and the racialized policing in France, but also about the wider issue of, of, of racism in, in, in French society, which needs to be dealt with via the educational system, via social programs, as well within the police institution. Um, there is a need for an independent um investigation body um, um, that would um, investigate um, the, the, the murder of, 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 of Nahel in order to rebuild trust. Um, because many people don't trust that anything is going to come out of this. There's been many other instances in the past where I, I, I don't think that any police officer in France has been jailed based on, on, on a killing that is racist.
1: You're listening to Your Actives on the Byline podcast. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter on youractive.com newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge in other fields, you can listen to our Tech, Agri-Food and Health podcast. And if you have any comments or ideas, you can drop a line podcast at youractive.com. And from a different perspective, at the forefront of these clashes are reporters and photojournalists who endure violence from both the police and the protesters. So what are the trends noted by reporters without borders? Why are journalists confronted with so much hate?
2: As uh, per what we've seen in the past few days, it's obvious that uh, journalists who witness by covering uh, uh, the violence um, by writing, by filming, by taking pictures are seen as uh, witness that can um, put in danger um, those committing these uh, uh, crimes uh, in the suburbs. Paulina Desmevel is spokesperson and editor-in-chief for Reporters Without Borders. Most of the time, the reason why journalists are attacked is also because they film and they can testify with their reports what's happening and what kind of disorder um, the the youth is doing in these suburbs of the French cities. Uh, What we uh, see at Reporters Without Borders is, of course, um, a sort of increase of violence against journalists. Uh, In the past years, we've seen uh, different movements. This one is the most... Um, dangerous one. What we've seen in recent years at Reporters Without Borders is an increase of violence also from politicians and from the uh, speech of politicians allowing themselves to uh, attack uh, verbally the journalist. And we noticed that each time a politician, whether he was from the right or from the left or from the very, very left, um, each time a politician was attacking um, journalists or the media or their editorial line, um, Mm -hmm. there was a consequence uh, in the field uh, a few days after with supporters of um, this politician attacking physically the journalists. So we at Reporters Without Borders, we also condemned this movement. Reporters Without Borders
1: has established a hotline for all the journalists and photojournalists covering the clashes in France to provide support to journalists in distress.
2: Uh, the hotline has uh, never existed in this uh, form, but uh, it's uh, uh, the DNA of the Reporters Without Borders to react quickly and to set up very, very uh, urgent uh, solution and response when journalists need, so this was um, absolutely uh, needed for uh, these events. We have received a number of calls uh, on uh, this hotline over the weekend. We have uh, received, uh, on the one hand, testimonies of journalists who had, to, uh, who had their gear um, stolen or who were threatened. Another initiative taken by
1: RSF is the proposal of training of journalists on how to cover clashes on site.
2: The coverage of uh, uh, violence in the suburbs and the coverage of uh, the suburbs uh, of big cities in France have become uh, extremely unsafe um, in the past years. What is obvious is that uh, journalists have to be trained, uh, whether they are um, physically attacked or threatened, they have to be trained so they are able to cover um, um, the field in their uh, country uh, with no such fear like we, we saw these past few days.
0: I
1: am Evy Kiori and this was your Beyond the Byline podcast. Visit Reactive to stay on top of the latest news. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on your favorite podcasting app. This episode was produced by myself with the help of Annie Jobs. Thank you for tuning in and until next week.